Hey, how many of you know God is speaking in these times? I just want to kind of preface what we're going to say tonight um, by kind of uh, letting you know where we're at as a family, uh, where the Kirksey bunch and uh, where we're at and uh, what God is doing in our life. And um, just let you know that God is speaking right now. And, um, you know, God is always speaking. Did you know that? Um, but sometimes God, the Holy Spirit goes into overtime to get us to listen. And uh, right now God is speaking uh, and, um, you better through these times, I'm just saying this, you, you better be able to hear what he's saying. You got to know what God is saying. You got to have the Bible says in revelation, whoever, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear what the spirit is saying to the churches. Um, how many of you have ever worn a harness, uh, you know, for work, the OSHA required uh, I haven't very much, but I'm, you're, you're all, you're supposed to, right? Uh, brother Brian, you're supposed to, right? He's not in here. Brian knows all about the harnesses. Um, so how many of you have ever worn one of those? Let me see your hand. How many of you have ever used one? <laughs> That's a different question. Um, some, I, I've never, I've worn them. I've never had to use one, but if you suddenly find yourself with nothing under your feet, you're glad you have it. If you suddenly find the ladder going one way and you go in the other or whatever, you, you know that that harness is going to hold you. It's been designed specifically to hold you in those incidents. The word of God will hold. Amen. Amen. Wherever you find yourself in life, the word of God will hold. When you have nothing under your feet, the word of God will hold. But you've got to hear the word. You got to know what God's word is, not just the written word of God. You got to know what God's specific word is for you and for your family. Um, tonight, I'm going to be talking about a shift of perspective. Um, God has been uh, speaking to me uh, when he can. <laughs> How many of you get really busy during the day? How many of you wake up with your mind just just, you know, what you, all the stuff you got to do that day, all the stuff that hasn't been done. And as soon as you wake up. You better give that first second to God or you're done. You know what I'm saying? Or your mind is just gone. Um, some of us, you know, spend time with the Lord in the evenings before we go to bed. That would never work for me. By the time at the end of the day, my mind, I just need to go to sleep and just rest my mind. But um, uh, God has been speaking to me when he can during the day. But he's been speaking to me a lot with dreams. And did you know if you ask God for dreams and you expect dreams and you keep on asking, keep asking... And keep believing that uh, that he's going to give you those dreams. You'll find yourself dreaming. And some of them are pretty weird. You have you start having some strange dreams and some some of them that you would normally just write off. You begin to pay attention to and you begin to find meaning in things. I want to recommend a book. Um, uh, Brother Goff is the uh, pastor at First Assembly in Nashville, Arkansas. His wife, Sherry, has written a book. It's called From the Prison to the palace. It's all about Joseph and his dreams. But what really what it is, it's kind of a dream manual. And it tells you a lot about biblical, uh, the meanings of numbers, the meanings of all these different things in your dreams. I'm just into it. I mean, I'm just totally into this. Um, but, uh, but I have found that if you will pay attention, you will either, you'll find a, one of two things in, in your dreams. You'll find either something in you that you didn't know that's coming out through your, through your dreams or you'll find something that God is trying to get to you in your dreams that he can't get to you when you're awake. And so I want to encourage you that. But so God is speaking and that's the main thing. And here's what I what God has spoken to me lately about families. 
And that's kind of what I want to talk about tonight. I want to start trying to shift our perspective from where we are uh, as a church and as family units and as individuals, where we are and how our perspective is. That's what God's been doing to me a lot lately is he's been changing me to a different perspective, a different way of looking at things uh, so I can see things more like he sees them. I believe right now that God is shifting the family. This is what he's been speaking to me, shifting the family away from. A defensive mindset. What I mean is this. That the family's family unit for so long has been huddled over the gospel. They have essentially had the light. They're all huddled over it as a family unit. Don't let the light get out. Don't, don't let any other thing in. Let's just stay here huddled around this little warmth and this this little light. And that's the way I feel like, I mean, as far as in our family and the, what I've seen is the way that family units have been operating in the church. And what God has been saying to me is it's time for the family unit to change a perspective from a defensive perspective to an offensive perspective. And that makes parents nervous. Because parents want to protect their children above all else. And that's the main reason that we keep things uh, close and tight is because we don't want our kids to get out there and get hurt. We don't want our kids, you know, uh, to get out there and experience things that you, we don't want them to see, that we don't want them to, to be in the middle of. But it's time, God is saying, as a family, it's time for us to begin to be the light and to carry the light and stop being huddled around the light. Um, and where, how God was spoke this to me is kind of funny. We were putting in a PA system in a, uh, uh, a football stadium and they hit, they were redoing everything. And, uh, so while we were, I was walking around, we had everything going, you know, the sound going, I was just doing my walk to make sure we have coverage everywhere. And, uh, I'm walking across their new turf. They had just late, hadn't even been played on yet, but it was brand new grass and you could smell it. By the way, it was 105 degrees outside. But we were walking across this grass and uh, just the smell of it, just the, it was squishy, you know, it was real soft and they hadn't mowed it yet. And it was just it was about that long. And uh, man, I just started thinking this is going to be good. High school football, right? It starts getting cooler weather. The nights it starts getting cooler and you show up, and you get you some hot chocolate. And you sit up there. You don't even know who's playing. You don't care. Or I don't, I don't know anything about football. But I just like being there and just the, all of the people from town. Hey, how you doing? You know, and it's just this whole um, all American experience. Am I right? Anybody else love that? Okay. All right. Right now it's just so hot. It's just like, yeah, that cooler weather and sitting out there in the breeze. And, uh, it's about late September when that starts going down. And, um, but as we were doing that, God began to speak to me out there on that grass. And the first thing that he said to me was this. He said, in football, who is on offense and who is on defense is determined by one thing. Do you know what it is? Possession. Possession of the ball. If you have the ball, you are automatically on offense. And the other team is automatically on defense. And uh, the second thing that he said to me was this, that the mission of the defense is to take possession of the ball or at least stop the advancement of the ball from coming down the field. Now, he said, well, he specifically spoke to me that the, the, the mission of the defense, the goal of the defense is not to stop the offensive team from coming down 
the field. It's to stop the ball. The offensive team without the ball is is nothing. It's all about the ball. And so they're trying to stop the 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 ball from advancing. And uh the mission of the offensive team is not to get to the end zone, but to get the ball to the end zone. Am I right? How many of you ever seen those plays where you thought that they got in the end zone and then they didn't have the ball, you know, the ball had got knocked out and you had they the, they had missed it with the cameras or whatever. So the first thing we need to settle is this is it's time for families to shift from a defensive mindset to an offensive mindset. Can I tell you something that you may not know? That the church has possession of the ball. That the church has possession. That the church is on offense. We're not on defense. We are not the defensive team. We're the offensive team. We are advancing the ball to the end zone. And you may think that the whole world is against you. No, it's not. The whole world is against the, what you carry. And it's time for us to stop taking things personally and to start advancing the gospel and knowing that Jesus said that the world hated him. Of course, it's going to hate you, too. So if you're a carrier of the gospel, you're on offense and the other team is defense and they're trying to stop the ball from coming down the field. So we've been guarding it. We've been trying to keep the opposition at bay. We have every player on our team playing either guard or tackle. We're trying to get everybody protected. We're trying to to surround that ball and trying to protect the ball. But you know what happens when you have everybody on guard, everybody on tackle? There's no receivers. You don't have anybody receiving. And as a parent, can I tell you this? As a parent, I want nothing more than what God has put in me to be received by my kids. I want nothing more than to pass on what God has put in my heart. For my kids. That's what I want more, one, more than anything. But as we have, as we're standing around just guarding this thing, that never happens. And, uh, every parent wants to guard. I understand that. Me too. My kids are in Christian school. Um, many of our kids are in Christian school. And that's, and, and my motivation for years was one of fear. People would, would ask me, it's like, what do you think, you don't, you think your kids can't handle? It's like, how strong are your kids if they can't even handle secular, you know, the secular school system, you know? And so for a long time, it probably was fear in my life. That's not my motivation now. My motivation now is my kids are getting equipped in the Christian school. But for a long time, I didn't want them to experience anything outside of the Christian school. So every parent wants to guard. I understand that. But every child wants to advance. If you have kids, you know that. Every child does not want to stand around doing nothing. They want to advance. They want to go forward. They want to do something. And what happens when our children sees the opposition flagrantly advancing their agenda, agenda, and we're huddling over here, huddling over our beliefs, what happens then? And we say, you know, um, we're fighting the culture or, you know, there's this culture we're trying to protect our kids from or whatever. We need to have a culture that's so far is 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 more advanced and so so far more um on the edge for our kids than the world has and if we would cultivate that culture instead of trying to avoid the counterculture and yeah i'm gonna go i'm the, the world is the counterculture we're supposed to be the culture we're supposed to be setting the pace as families we're supposed to be uh taking the light we're supposed to be setting the um the standard wherever we go so 
um, so we've got to give our kids something to fight for and not just against. And that's what, what, what has happened over the years, I think, is we've developed a defensive mentality because we've been against so much. We've been against this, against that, against that. And we've got every player uh, on guard or tackle, and we've been so against things that we forgot that we're for something. And we forgot that we are, car- we are carriers of life in a dead world. And so we've huddled over the life so we can stay alive. And forgetting, it's like huddled over a, a little a little fire and just keeping it, you know, just uh, barely burning just enough for our family when the world is freezing to death. That's what's happening. So, uh, defense, back to football, defense attacks the offense for one reason. It's to get the ball. Offense does not attack the defense. And I know that's hard for us to hear because we are conservative believers and, you know, and, and we want to, you know, by God, you know, this, I understand all of that. And there's a place for that. And we want to pick it and we want to, we want to be active and there is a place for that. But I want to tell you, your perspective has to change. Our perspective has to change from one of, uh, attack, 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 because the offense, if you think about football, the offense is not attacking the defense. Offense advances the ball. And if our highest goal is to just protect the ball, and if our highest goal is to just come against what's coming against, coming against us, we're missing it. Our highest goal is to advance. And, uh, and of course, there's a place for guards and tackles. If you're an intercessor, uh, uh, an inter- in an intercessory prayer, I don't know why that's so hard to say. If you are uh, a prayer leader and you are intercession is your thing, can I tell you, you are a guard and you are a tackle. And you are protecting the people that carry the ball. And we, have you ever seen a, a quarterback? We had, when, um, uh, we had a clip, I forgot to bring it, but um, just a clip of just people just getting smacked, you know, <laughs> in football, college football, people's helmets flying off. I mean, just like it was the worst hits ever. And... Um, the whole, uh, you know, we, we can't leave the ball carrier unprotected. If we do that, you know, it gets bad because the defense comes in hard and they're hitting to stop the advancement of the ball at any cost. So defense attacks to get the ball, but offense does not attack the defense. Offense advances the ball. And we say, well, I'm being attacked. You're being attacked because of the ball. Stop. It's time for us to stop taking it personal. Um, don't stop advancing because the attack... Will not stop until you're in the end zone or until the game's over, really. So don't expect, you know, football players volunteer to get on that field. They love it. It's time for us as believers to love it. It's time for us as believers to say, come on, hit me. I think you can. You know, it's time for us as believers to get some grit and to start advancing the gospel. So, okay, when we stop advancing, here's what happens. We start blaming, we start accusing, we start bickering, we start slandering. It turns from the outside to the inside. It becomes a way of life for us because the perspective is all wrong. I've, I've, I've seen a, a very, a very awesome anointed uh, ministers. And this, this may be too personal, I don't know. Uh, I've seen really anointed ministers of the gospel get extremely... Uh, political and I'm not into politics. I'm into stopping abortion. That's not political. 
That has nothing to do. That's darkness and light. That has nothing to do with politics. Um, so there's a lot of things that, um, uh, well, I've seen, so I've seen a lot of uh, really anointed ministers get so far into politics that they have turned into um, uh, like a, a radio host kind of a thing where it's just bash, bash, bash. Y'all know what I'm talking about? And it's just turned almost like dirty. You know, it's just this this dirty attack always against. Uh, and I don't think that's where God is leading us. I don't think God is leading us to... Um, to act like the devil's team. I don't think that God is leading us to act uh, like the defense. So, um, can I just tell you something? I, I'm really uh, apologetics. Do y'all know what apologetics is? Uh, it's um, it's really, it boils down to knowing why you believe what you believe. And that's extremely important. Uh, I went through a phase where I was just Ravi Zacharias and, you know, and all of these apo- great apologetics teachers. And I was just soaking it up. And the reason I was soaking it up is this. Um, it wasn't so much so I, so I would uh, know what to say to an unbeliever when they come at me and they say, well, what about this? And I can say, well, that and what about this? You know, it's not so I can make a good argument. It's because I had questions. I had faith. But I wanted to back it up with practical things, you know. And did you know this, that your faith is practical and that it's based in reality and that God really did create the earth? He really did create all of these. Jesus really did come historically. He really did die on the cross and he really did historically raise from the dead. It's backed up by fact and history. And so... Uh, a lot of times we get we watch the news too much, we watch TV too much, and we get too entertained, and we think we think of we read the Bible, and we say we believe it until the pressure is turned up, and then when the pressure is turned up, he said we we say well it kind of sounds like a fairy tale. Well, that's where apologetics you need to know why you believe what you believe. But I, I'm really tired of this. I'm really tired of Christians thinking that they have to defend the gospel to the world. You don't have to defend. The gospel. Um, one time, just like this, uh, one time I had a boss uh, who was an unbeliever, and he would come at me just out of the blue. We'd be talking about one thing, and then he, he would just say something like, did you know that God hates people that are left-handed? I'm like, what are you talking about? And, I, and then uh, and he's like, well, I'm just saying. And he'll walk off, and I'm like, what was that? And I'll, I'll, think, I'll be thinking about it, and the Holy Spirit would speak to me and say, don't let your right hand know what your left hand is doing. What? So I'd come back and I was like, is that the scripture you're talking about? You know, and we were getting in an argument, you know, and everything. And it's so frustrating when the world comes at you with a prepared argument to throw you off and to make you doubt your faith. And it really does rattle you. And if you haven't had that happen, just wait. It will rattle you. It really will. But what it should cause you to do is not to find an answer to throw back at them, but find an answer for yourself. To go and find the fact. Because if you search long enough, you'll come to the truth. If you will search and you will ask. The Bible says, uh, if, if you, um, whoever, <laughs> whoever seeks will find. Whoever uh, knocks, the door will be open to them. So, um, you can't pretend to even be able to defend the gospel. It's like trying to keep the dark out of the light. You can't keep the dark out of the light. That's not you. You take the light into a dark room, and uh, and the darkness is expelled. So you can't 
you don't keep the dark out of the light. You don't defend light. You don't need to help light. You just turn it up. You turn it on, you turn it up. If it's still dark, you turn it up some more. And that's the way light works. You take it into the dark and you let it do its thing. Everybody say, let it do its thing. It's time for us to let the gospel do its thing. It's time for us to stop doing the gospel's work for it and actually let the gospel do its thing. Charles Spurgeon said this. This is my favorite quote of all time. He said this. He said, the word of God can take care of itself. Y'all know who Charles Spurgeon was? Okay. He said, and we'll do so if we preach it and cease defending it. And this is where he gets cool. He said, see you that lion. They have caged him for his preservation. Shut him up behind iron bars to secure him from his foes. See how a band of armed men have gathered around to protect the lion. What a clatter they make with their swords and spears. These mighty men are intent upon defending a lion. Oh, fools and slow of heart, open that door. Let the Lord of the forest come forth free. Who will dare to encounter him? What does he want with your guardian care? Let the pure gospel go forth in all its lion-like majesty, and it will soon clear its own way and ease itself of its adversaries. I tell you what, when you get really confident in your faith, when you get really confident that God is who he says he is and will do what he said he will do, there's nothing that can stop the light when you take it into those dark places. So, so I have five kids. Many of you know I have a 19-year-old, and I have a three-year-old, and all in between. So I, we have five kids, and, um, and we, we're talking about all the different dynamics, like, wow, when, you know, Allison, we could be like grandkids when he's still in high school, and, I mean, grandparents, you know, and, and he'll still be in elementary, you know. And so you, there's all these dynamics that come into place, but, so I know the duty that falls to every parent, we shelter and we protect our kids because that's what God has entrusted us to do. Part of it. Part of what God has entrusted us to do. And if you're not protecting your children, if you're not guarding your children from demonic influences that are trying, if you're not the, the um, uh, playing guard or tackle for your kids, then you're, then you're, you're, you're falling down on the job. You're uh, from the demonic influences that are trying to come at them through their friends. You're not filtering your friend, their friends or their phones. If you're not filtering their phones, then you're not going to you're not you're not stewarding the most important thing that God has entrusted you with. Y'all ever seen that? There's a movie clip and I don't know if it was a, a specific movie or if it was a, you know, a number of movies, a reoccurring scene. But there's always the little guy that weighs like 100 pounds out there and his uh, pads and his helmet are way too big for him, you know, and he's just like been thrown out there you know and then somehow he accidentally ends up with the ball you know and then they just come from all sides these big guys and his helmet flies off you know and just crush the poor kid you know we don't want that to happen to our kids those kids we're responsible for our children we will give an account for our children it doesn't say that your children's pastor your youth pastor or your pastor will give account for your kids it says that you will so um uh, we should never leave the person carrying the gospel unprotected. Um, I know that uh, there's some people in our church in El Dorado that uh, one person in particular who has come and said that God has spoken to them uh, in particular that 
to cover our pastors that that he's and he's um, kind of almost on a mission to get people in prayer for our pastors. And I think that that is I, I don't question that at all. I think that's a mission from God. I think we've got to protect the people that are carrying the ball, the people that are in the public uh, the most. So. Um, so we uh, I'm not talking about. Um, I'm not talking about doing away with protecting our kids or anything like that. I'm talking about changing our perspective, changing our end goal to the end zone. So how do we advance the gospel as a family? Got 10 minutes. This is what the message Bible says. It says, this is the kind of fast day I'm after, by the way, in Isaiah 58, 9 through 12. This is the kind of fast day that I'm after to break the chains of injustice Get rid of exploitation in the workplace to free the oppressed, to cancel debts. What I'm interested in in seeing you do is this. Sharing your food with the hungry. Inviting the homeless poor into your homes. Putting clothes on the shivering ill-clad. Being available to your own families. Do this and the lights will turn on. And your lives will, be, will turn around at once. Your righteousness will pave your way. The God of glory will secure your passage. Everybody say, the God of glory will secure your passage. Then when you pray, God will answer. You'll call out for help and I'll say, here I am. If you get rid of unfair practices, quit blaming victims, quit gossiping about other people's sins. If you're generous with the hungry and start giving yourselves to the down and out, your lives will begin to glow in the dark. Your shadowed lives will be bathed in sunlight. I will always show you where to go. I'll give you a full life in the emptiest of places. Firm muscles, strong bones. You'll be like a well-watered garden, a gurgling spring that never runs dry. You'll use the old rubble of the past life to build anew. Restore old ruins. Rebuild and renovate. Make the community livable again. That sounds about like a mission statement for, for today's modern uh, Christian family. Um, did you notice, though, who's, paving the, uh, who's on the front line paving the way when you're advancing the light, when you're doing these things? It says this. We repeated it together. It said, the God of glory will secure your passage and so a lot of times I think when we're worried about advancing, like when we're all huddled in defensive mode, I think more than anything, we just don't trust God to take care of us when we get out there in this big, bad world. But the right here in Isaiah, he said that he will secure your passage if you if you dedicate yourself to the advancement of the gospel as a family, that he will secure your passage. The light clears the darkness wherever it goes. And that's why Jesus said in Matthew 5, 15, he said, neither do people put a light, a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. And I wish I had time because this is really where I wanted to get to right here. People don't put light a lamp and put it under a bowl. They put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. And God has, shared, God has spoken this verse specifically to me. And in this whole thing of changing perspective, here's what he said to me. He said, he said you have grew up singing this little light of mine. I'm going to let it shine. You have grew up singing all of these songs about the light. He said, 
But I, I said something in there, the first part of that, I said something about a bowl. And then he said, what's your bowl? What are you putting the light under? I say, well, God, sometimes, you know, I just, I get, um, you know, angry or, you know, my emotions, you know, get in such a place where I just don't feel like, you know, shining the light, you know, whatever. That's a bowl. Well, God, sometimes I just, you know, I, I, I get out there and I'm intimidated and I, and I don't want to, uh, whatever, that's a bowl. Whatever it is to keep you from putting the light out on the stand. And saying, this is who I am. This is what I'm about. It's a bowl. And he said, you didn't light a light. He said, you didn't light that lamp to put it under a bowl. You lit it to light the house. So what's the bowl? So you know what my life, uh, my life mission was as a junior high kid? My life mission as a junior high kid was very simple. It was one thing, and it was to build fires. That's all I wanted to do in junior high is to build fires. And I liked big fires. Even better, I liked those. I like it when aerosol cans made the big, like, mushroom cloud of fire. I thought that was the most incredible thing ever. So I liked fires. Um, every little fire always had a potential to be much, much bigger. And uh, so I want to ask you, why does that junior high kid grow up into a man that likes to keep everything small and manageable? As a kid... I just wanted to build it until it was out of control and then freak out and hope nobody noticed, you know, as it, but adults, we like to be able to control things. We like to be able to keep everything within our grasp. And I think God is calling us as parents to kind of take our hands off of things a little bit and to actually let things like fire, to let things grow to a point that's maybe it's out of our control. And, but we know that we're doing as a family, what God has called us to do. Um, can I leave you, relieve you of a responsibility? You should jump at this chance. Relieve yourself of every responsibility you can. So I'm going to relieve you of a responsibility. Philippians 1, 12 through 14 says this. Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters. How many of you brothers? How many of you are sisters? Okay. I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me. By the way, this is Paul. He's in the jail writing to the Philippians. He's in jail. Everybody say in jail. All right, he's, in, he's incarcerated right now. So as, what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. See, Paul is used to being out there uh, on the road. He's the traveling evangelist. He's building churches. He's, he's actively doing the work of God. And now he's stuck 24-7 in a cell. And all he has is a notepad and pen. And he says this. I don't think he was speaking out of faith. He says this. He said it's actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. So Paul was in prison behind bars, separated from his ministry, and the gospel kept advancing, even more so because we're reading Philippians right now, and he wrote that while he was in jail, not while he was out on the road doing something. So let me relieve you of this responsibility. It does not matter. Your station in life, your present situation. It doesn't matter how closed off you feel from doing ministry. We all have the same light. And if you hold up the light, the light will do what the light does. 
That's the level playing field of the gospel. The light that is in you lights up the darkness just like the light that's in me. It's not a smaller light, a bigger light. Let me tell you something I found out as a junior high kid. The fire can always get bigger and brighter. It just matters. It just depends on what you feed it. So a lot of Christians get stuck in their feelings because they think that they are the way they feel. Can I tell you, just pull the light out from under the bowl and hold it up. I want to read that scripture one more time. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. The devil will tell you you're a hypocrite. Jesus said, I don't care. Don't cover up your light. Don't cover up that light because the light is the only thing that's going to fix anything. When you cover up the light, your whole world, your whole answer, everything goes under that bowl. Everything that can change your situation, you've hidden it. The light is made for dark places. And the mission of every family should be the advancement of the light. I'm going to let you know one more thing before we close. Did you know this? Whoever's closest to the light gets the most benefit. How many of you ever been? Uh, my dad used to take drag me fishing. No matter what the weather was, it'd be cold and rainy, no fish biting. We'd be out there anyway. And, and not, a, not a, like a good bass boat, like an aluminum boat with aluminum seat. And y'all know when it's cold and rainy and you're sitting on an aluminum, cold aluminum seat all day, guys, you know what happens. I mean, it's rough. And so when, you, when you're in that situation and there's a fire, somebody builds a fire. You get as close to that fire as you can without burning yourself. Am I right? Because it's warmer the closer you are to it. See, I want, to know, I want you to notice what, what the scripture says. It says, instead they put it. Everybody say they. That's interesting. They put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. There's an interesting scripture in 2 Samuel where it says, So the ark of the Lord remained in the house of Obedidim, the Gittite, for three months. And the Lord blessed Obedidim and all his family. If you will put the light on the lampstand in your family, it'll be the brightest and the warmest of, of anything else. So, um, so let me ask you this. I'm going to try to find a place to get off this train. Does the ark of the Lord have residence in your family? Does the ark of the Lord have residence in your home? Not welcomed in your home. You say, well, God's welcome in my house anytime. Does it have a place? You know, there's a problem when somebody says, oh, you're welcome anytime. Come on, you know, because they don't mean that. When somebody says, just come over anytime. They don't mean it. Because you're going to show up and they're going to come to the door with their hair and rollers and their house coat and be like, oh, what are you doing here? You said any time. You know, you knock on the door at 11 p.m., you know, it's like they get up, you know, it's like you said any time. You don't mean it. <laughs> and when you tell, when you say God anytime, anytime. When somebody says that they don't mean it. Uh, how many of us sing this song? Can we sing this song? Is it going to like, okay. Everybody sing this with me real quick. Holy Spirit, Thou art welcome in this place. 
Holy Spirit, Thou art welcome in this place. Omnipotent Father of mercy and grace, Thou art welcome in this place. And we sing that, man, we feel God's presence. But let me, let me tell you this. Here's what the Holy Spirit is saying tonight. He's saying, do you want me there before you rush off to work or after the late show? Where's my place? Because here's what happens when you invite somebody over. You don't say come over anytime. You say come over Friday at six o'clock. We're, we're grilling. That's what you say. And they're there. That's when we know that you mean it. When you set a time, you set a place, and you set the menu. I know you mean it, and I know you expect us there, and you've created a place for us, and we're coming. Let me tell you this. The Holy Spirit is not going to invade your home. You are the the doorkeeper, men. Ladies, you are the doorkeeper of your house. If you want the Holy Spirit to show up, you create a place, you create a time, you set the menu, and you and you you show up, and he and he'll be there. Everybody say, make a place. God never builds his own altars, never has. God has never come down and built an altar to himself, and he's not going to do it in your house either. God never builds his own altars. He's not worshipped at figurative altars either. If there was ever an altar, it was built by someone and then God showed up. If there's going to be one in your home, you're going to have to build it. Everybody say, I will build it. Everybody look at your neighbor real quick and we're wrapping this up. Say, do you have an altar? And if they looked at you like a deer in the headlights, tell them, well, it's time to build one. I'm going to tell you right now, it's time to build an altar in our homes. Um... We started this morning with a bunch of uh, this evening with a bunch of football analogies, and some of us, like me, are not football fans. So let me break it down for everybody. You have the answer to every situation. The world needs that answer. The world doesn't need any more debaters. The world, you, did you know? Nobody wins a debate, by the way. Nobody ever wins a debate. They'll give points like it's a you know like a boxing match or something. Nobody ever wins a debate because you're either. The moron that doesn't know anything, or you're the jerk that took advantage of them. You're either a jerk or an idiot, you know, in a debate. There, there is no winner. So the world needs the heart of a mom or dad that's going to rush into a, suffi- a suffocating world because they're the only one with the oxygen. They're going to rush, rush in with the life preservers. They're going to rush out and they're going to find somebody who needs saving. And that's the world. Because... Remember we said stop taking it personal? Did you know that dying people sometimes fight? Especially like drowning, when someone's drowning. They don't care if you're family. They'll take you down. I've seen it happen in my own family. I've seen one of my family members almost drowning and and grab another family member and pull them under the water. Why? Because... Um, that's what dying people do. That's what desperate people do. When the world is fighting you, just know that's what dying people do. 
Stop taking it personal. There's no time for offense. It's time for us to shine. Okay, so if you're here with a flashlight on your phone, can you pull it out real quick? We're going to do this. If, you, if you're in here, you have a phone and it has a flashlight on it. If you do not, after the service, go by Verizon and join civilization. I went by a church the other day and the pastor, I was like, can I email it to you? And he's like, uh, and I already knew. I was like, that means no. Because he did, he's like, I think I have an email address. I don't know. And he pulled out his flip phone and I'm just like, oh, okay, never mind. Um, so you everybody got your flashlight on? Okay, this is really beautiful. This is like uh, John Mellencamp, 1987. So, um, all right. So everybody, uh, hold up your phone. Everybody stand up on your feet. Hold up your phone. If you don't have one, hold something up. Or if you can't figure out how to turn on the flashlight. <laughs> All right, so hold up your phone. We're going to declare. Y'all ready to declare? I love to declare. You know, altar services are wonderful where we pray, 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 pray. We got to say some things out of our mouth in declaration. Are you ready? I love, I love doing this. Everybody say this with me. Say, this is how I live. This is not just how I do church. This is how I do work. This is how I do family. This is how I do Walmart. This is not just how I do Christian relationships. This is how I do all relationships. This is not how I do easy times. This is not how I do happy times. This is how I do every day, no matter what, because it's the only thing that has the power to change the world. All right, if you believe it, say hallelujah. All right, we love you guys. Uh, Thank you so much for letting me uh, present what God has uh, spoken to me to you this evening. Let's pray and be dismissed. Father, we thank you, God, for your... uh, your word. We thank you for your word that is written. We thank you for your word that is spoken. Lord, we love you and we praise you and we hold on uh, to your word because we know it's the only thing that never fails in Jesus name. Amen.